Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Blog Talk Radio. The opinions and views expressed by the host and guest are not necessarily the views and opinions of the Blake Radio Network. Broadcasting, broadcasting, broadcasting to the world. Broadcasting to the world, to the world, to the world. BlakeRadio.com. Music for your mind, body, and soul. Talk radio at its best. You're listening to Dr. Jennifer Daniels, and welcome to Healing with Dr. Daniels on the Blake Radio Network. And this is Tuesday, November 10th, 6 p.m. Eastern Time. And tonight's topic is the diet lie. Yep, the diet lie. So which diet is the best? Is it vegetarian, vegan, paleo? Which food's most nutrient-dense? And, of course, other misrepresentations that keep you sick. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Um, there's a tremendous amount of confusion out there about what's a healthy diet, um, which diet is best. And these are all, as I say, uh, your answers are no better than your questions. And so which diet is the best? Is uh, it's not a good question. The reason it's a bad question is because every person is different and every diet is different. And there is no one diet that's good for everybody. There are certain diets that are good for certain things. But there's no one diet that's good for everybody. And this is why you can find devotees of just about any diet out there. You name the diet, somebody, somewhere, felt better eating that particular diet. And then, of course, the person or people who feel better decide that they now need to have everybody in the world follow that particular diet. And 
while this is very well-intentioned, people, they really do mean well, uh, it, it's not good. It's not a good idea. It's not a good idea for the uh, potential converts, and it's not a good idea for the uh, proselytizers. Because over time, the diet that's best for any individual can also change. So what I'm going to do today is take a look at just basic uh, food characteristics and food lies. Then we're going to talk about the uh, what I believe to be the truth. And then we're going to talk about the different diets and what each diet is good for. That's important to understand. What is each diet good for? Because if you don't understand what each diet is good for, then you're going to reject uh, certain diets out of hand or maybe they do have a place in your good uh, your good health. All right, so the, the biggest lie, or I should say the argument out there, is, is the vegetarian diet the healthiest diet? And this is buttressed by uh, books like Diet for New America by Robbins, by uh, the China Study, um, by Colin Campbell. And what these diets say, or books say, is that the vegetarian diet, or vegan diet, or I'll just use the word vegan. Vegan, by the way, just so you know what we're talking about, is a diet that has no animal products that would be no milk, nothing derived from milk, no eggs, and some people even say no honey because honey, of course, is made by bees. But no animal products, and not even any broth, so no uh, bone broth or meat broth, just vegetables and vegetable-derived um, foods. Okay, so what um, Colin Powell will tell you is that meat-based diets or diets with meat have a higher association with cancer. Actually, this is true. Um, people who are meat eaters have about twice the cancer rate of people who do not eat meat. So, uh, no... But the question then, of course, is does the meat cause the cancer? And you have to take a look and say, hey, wait a minute. What about all these people who are eating meat that don't get cancer? There must be another dimension. There must be something else going on here. Then we have the... Um, what I considered to be new in the past 15 years, which is an explosion of cancer in, um, in vegans. And where did this come from? So what they point to then, as they say that these uh, vegetarian diets are healthy, is all the people who are, I should say, the, the healthier characteristics of such a population. So people who are vegetarian, who don't eat meat, tend not to have appendicitis, tend not to have uh, digestive disorders. So that is, is absolutely true. And they then say, therefore, the vegetables must be nutrient-dense. And so I believed this for a while because I, I noticed when I was in medical practice 
and someone came in and they were sick and I put them on a vegetarian diet. They just perked right up and I said, aha, it must be they're getting nutrients. They're getting all those nutrients, those green fruits and vegetables, or green vegetables anyway, that um, just aren't present in meat. And so I, I felt like this must be true, but then over time what I found is when people... The longer people stayed vegetarian, the more uh, vitamins they took, and the more vitamins, and the more vitamins, and the more vitamins. And I had this business meeting at my office. Uh, I was in a group with some other business people from the chamber. And so we were chatting, and I said, yeah, you know, those vegetarians are supposed to be so healthy. And they all have to start their day with a fistful of vitamins. So can't be that healthy a diet. So I dismissed that as just uh, sour grapes coming from someone who didn't want to give up their uh, barbecue pulled pork sandwiches. But since then, I've taken, I've uh, thought about it, and, and I've actually tried to provide people with all of their nutrients just from their diet using vegetables. And just as an example, I would like to take a look at spinach. Who can argue with spinach? Spinach has uh, A grade uh, A as being uh, nutrient dense and having tons and tons of nutrition. So if you want to get your all of your nutrition from spinach, and let's just say, let's look at what spinach has. Spinach has uh, sodium. Okay, 1% of your daily sodium requirement is in spinach. And so this is uh, one cup of spinach. So you literally you'd have to eat 100 cups of spinach just to get your daily salt requirement. What about potassium? Well, uh, one cup of spinach gives 5% of your potassium daily requirement. You'd have to eat 20 cups of spinach to get your daily potassium requirement. Carbohydrates, none. But there's a movement out there that believes carbohydrates are evil, so we'll leave that alone for a minute. And dietary fiber, get this. One cup of spinach has 3% of your daily dietary fiber. That means that you would need to eat 33 cups of spinach just to get the fiber that you need for the day. And now, spinach is generally considered to be a very uh, nutritious food. So there's got to be something in this spinach, right? So iron, of course, 5% of your daily requirement for iron. That means 20 cups of spinach is all it would take to get iron. But vitamin A is a biggie. 56% of your vitamin A is in one cup of spinach. So two cups of spinach gets you your vitamin A requirement. Now, where do all these standards come from? Well, I'm accepting, just as a standard, um, the USDA-recommended minimums. And as you know, or you may know, these are indeed minimums. In other words, these are the amounts of these nutrients, if not met, has been associated with disease. So the amount of vitamin A you need to take to be a healthy, strong, vibrant, exceptional, high achiever might be a little more than what is in uh, two cups of spinach. But we're just going to take these as a minimum just so we have uh, a yardstick. So we see then that spinach as a strategy um, for for getting uh, 
cholesterol, for getting um, fats of any kind, is a total uh, total zero. It's just not it's not going to work. Um, and you can also see that it's not a good source of uh, your trace minerals either. There may be minerals in here, but um, not a lot. So if we use spinach as our basic uh, representative sample of the green leafy class, we can see here that this vegetable as a backbone of the diet is not going to provide enough potassium, is not going to provide uh, enough sodium in the course of a day. And this is why people who are long-term vegetarians, when I say long-term, I mean uh, it can be anywhere from a month to two years or three years, at some point a person develops extreme, extreme hunger. And this is what we, where we see the um, a lot of health advocates advocating six small meals a day because they're also advocating a uh, vegetable-based diet, as you can see, doesn't have the ability to uh, fulfill the biostitutional requirements. And therefore, you have to eat pretty much constantly to even approach adequate nutrition. And just by the way, vitamin C, which is present in spinach, um, only 14% of a day's necessary vitamin C would be consumed in one cup of raw spinach. We're looking at raw foods because this is like, you know, a peak of nutrition here. And so really about eight cups of spinach. Now, an ambitious person could probably eat eight cups of spinach. So this is the the reason I believe that long-term vegetarian, vegetarian diets uh, or vegan diets rather don't work. So the question is, why would they work in the short term? I mean, this is not a lot of nutrition here. The answer is, um, for people who have illnesses of excess, such as arthritis, this works beautifully because in an illness such as arthritis, a person has an excess amount of impurities in the joints. And so a diet with lots of green stuff like spinach is going to be high in relative water content. It's going to be high uh, in chlorophyll. And chlorophyll is uh, it's kind of like a detergent, actually. It um, gets rid of uh, parasites, sounds like a mild uh, disinfectant. And it has enough fiber in it that it actually soaks up the impurities. So these green leafy vegetables, what they're good for is cleaning and scrubbing out the system. And every system needs some cleaning and scrubbing sometimes. And in the case of these uh, vegetables, sometimes that can take the form of just having a vegetable every day. Other times it can take the form of eating vegetables only for an extended period of time, like a week or a month or even a year. So this really is a true uh, space for these things. So spinach, and we'll leave that as the uh, epitome of your green leafy vegetable. 
Now, the chat room, people are mentioning um, Goose Foot, Lamb's Quarters. Uh, again, not everyone has um, a backyard, so to speak, where they can go and get these things. And even if they did, you're still not going to get uh, a substantial amount of essential fats, fats of any kind, in these uh, green vegetables and the green vegetable family. So we've looked at that. Let's take a look at everybody's favorite. And everybody's favorite is the apple a day that keeps the doctor away, right? And so we're going to take a look at the apple with the skin, right? Because we want all the nutrition. We don't want to miss a thing. Not, not a thing. Now, so the apple a day keeps the doctor away. Now, what does it mean to keep the doctor away? Well, it means to keep illness away. So it means to stay healthy. And again, if we take a look at this apple, um, the apple does have some fat, 1% fat. And this is a uh, large three inch, three and a quarter inch apple. And so 1% of the daily requirement for fat, that means you'd have to eat 100 apples to get enough fat. Uh, to sustain uh, a 70-kilogram adult. And what else is in this apple? There's no sodium in the apple. There's some potassium, 7% of the daily requirement of potassium. So, again, we're looking at 10, uh, about 14 apples a day, 15 apples. And this is a reasonable amount of apples. I've eaten 15 apples in a day. It can be done. Uh, the fiber requirement, 22% of the daily fiber requirement, so it's five apples a day. So then what we're really seeing here is that the apples uh, are really a substantial source of fiber. And also sugars. It's about uh, 23 grams of sugar or 116 calories. So you can see the 116 calories for an apple, uh, as you get to that 20 apples a day, you know, you're really pushing your calories here. And if you're going to try and get your daily fat from apples, you're going to be eating 100 apples. And that will come down to about 11,000 calories. That's a lot of calories for a day. And protein is uh, 0.6 grams. Again, that's a pretty small uh, amount of protein. So about 1%. Well, we'll call it 2%. So you're still looking at 50 apples to get apples, your source of protein from apples. So where does the apple fit into the whole mix? So apples are not a reasonable source of protein. They are an excellent source, or I should say a very good source, of fiber. Even to get your fiber from apples, well, you'd have to eat five of them. Uh, but five apples a day, that's plausible. You could do that. Uh, the sugars... We'll just call that calories. And to get enough calories from an apple, you need to eat about 20 of them. So what we're seeing then is, is the apple is a great source. They don't list here in the uh, analysis, they don't list water. It's a great source of water and fiber. And if you look at, at vegetables, um, especially raw vegetables, an excellent source of fiber and water. Trace amounts of uh, sodium or potassium, sometimes some carbs, 
but excellent source of water and fiber. And so these, the water, it's the fiber, and uh, these trace minerals that cause the cleansing and the scrubbing that's very, very healing. And so these are the reasons why a vegetarian diet, a vegan diet, is extremely, extremely healthy in terms of, I don't say healthy, healing, extremely healing. And it's also why it's not a long-term solution. Why is it not a long-term solution? It's not a long-term solution because uh, the kind of fruits and vegetable category doesn't give you the uh, saturated fats and the, believe it or not, cholesterol or the essential fats that you need. So where do you get these from? Let's say if you're vegan, you could get them from uh, coconuts. But the problem with that, of course, is if you're not in a tropical environment, then you have this basic mismatch between uh, coconuts and what they provide in terms of environmental um, compatibility and living, say, in a cold northern climate. Of course, you could use chia seed. That's a possibility. So what we have here, though, is you have these a conspicuous absence of these building blocks in your uh, fruits and vegetables. But what we do have, which is extremely important, is you have water and you have fiber. And the basic cause of disease is a system that is congested, a system that is filled with toxins, chemicals, parasites. And so when you eat things like fruits and vegetables, you're going to get uh, a tremendous amount of cleaning. Now, years ago, say 100 years ago or more, it was common for people every spring and every fall to either uh, fast for a week, eat nothing but vegetables for a week, to take uh, special um, herbs like sassafras uh, or purgatives like uh, cholesterol to clean the body out, usually at least twice a year, just clean everything out. And this is a tradition that is absolutely no longer practiced uh, as a you know cultural uh, ritual or habit. So a person here or there might read a book about this or a book about that and decide, hey, I'm going to clean myself out and see how it goes. But there's not any built-in, hey, you know, the seasons just changed. Uh, spring is here, so let's uh, eat this herb, eat that herb, drink a bunch of teas for a week and get ready for the, for the summer and for the next year and decongest from the um for the winter. So that's the plus thing about the vegetables and fruits is that they're cleansing. So the nutritional value is actually uh, not substantial. It's actually not substantial. And so what happens over a long period of time is that people actually deplete their nutrition. They deplete their mineral stores. They deplete their uh, B vitamins, they deplete 
these uh, stores. And this is why really devout vegans um, like Mr. Robbins, who wrote the book, Diet for New America, is no longer vegan. I mean, this guy is devoted to being vegan. And the reason he stopped being vegan was the nutritional deficiencies caught up with him. And in my case, actually the same thing happened. It took me uh, 27 years, but it happened. And so people who do better on a vegetarian diet are people who have a history of a high uh, meat consumption and a history of no cleansing. So a person who has a history of cleansing, let's say, uh, a person who does colonics and does animas and, and, and fast regularly is probably not going to do well long-term on a vegan diet because they're going to become too depleted. And when I was... Uh, I first got going with uh, being, I guess you could say, health nut back in 87, um, I had no problem eating uh, vegetarian. In fact, I felt just great. Why? I was coming out of a situation of eating meat three times a day. That's a lot of meat. And so it took literally two decades to uh, deplete the positive attributes of the meat. In other words, the fat-soluble vitamins, the... um, minerals, the different uh, proteins. So all of this stuff uh, was just depleted bit by bit over the years. So I also started fasting. Fasting is basically drinking water only. I'm not going to go into a lot of detail about uh, how to do it, but more or less you drink water. And it has to be distilled or reverse osmosis water. You can't drink, can't fast on spring water or tap water, basically because it's not clean enough. And uh, I would fast for one week every year at least. And I started this in 1994. And things went really well until about 2003. All of a sudden, I could no longer fast. I couldn't. I really couldn't even miss a meal, let alone skip a day of eating, because I would begin to feel absolutely lousy. It was just awful. Whereas when I first started fasting, I could go, I really didn't notice I hadn't eaten until about the third day of the fast. I'd say, you know, I haven't eaten. So what happens then over time, as you fast and fast and fast and fast, is you actually deplete yourself. And fast, you can say, it's a certain type of diet. There are people who actually believe in being a breatharian, which is you don't eat anything. Um, you just drink water. And so um, fasting is a nutritional strategy. And it's a nutritional strategy of limited value because many people reach a point where they can no longer fast. They reach a point where either their uh, minerals are depleted, their fat-soluble vitamins are depleted, or um, their proteins are depleted. And so with these uh, fundamental uh, deficiencies, they're not able to safely fast. And how how do you know if you're this kind of person? Actually, it's pretty simple. 
you just go ahead and try and fast, and usually you'll you'll uh, encounter problems within 24 hours. And I would tell anyone that if they're fasting and they feel like they're going to die, that's a good reason, a compelling reason, to uh, break their fast. Okay, so I've talked about a vegan diet, talked about uh, a water diet, which is uh, fasting. What about juicing? Um, I read these stories on the internet about people who did a juice fast and they did a juice fast for a year, two years, three years. Um, Again, juice fasting is, or eating exclusively juiced vegetables slash fruits is another form, another way of cleansing. And why does it work? Very high water content, medium fiber content, even if you have a good juicer, some fiber does slip through. Uh, Lots of uh, enzymes, even though enzymes are not measured in these uh, nutritional analysis things. Um, and it acts like a detergent, literally scrubbing out the body, scrubbing, scrubbing, scrubbing. And again, this is something that works. Um, but you reach the point with juice fasting that you deplete all of your fats. And so who does really well on juice fast? People who are at least 20 pounds overweight. So there's a lot of people out there who do really well um, on a juice fast. People who are normal weight might do very well on a juice fast. But as a dietary uh, strategy every day, not a good idea. Um, As a dietary strategy one day a week, probably a really good idea, a good thing, because you have one day a week, where you're going to clean out everything, scrub out everything, but you're not stressing yourself. Why? Because you're providing your body with some calories and uh, some nutrition. So that is uh, a reasonable strategy. But again, if you listen to various diet gurus, they'll say, oh, yeah, you know, raw, juicing, 100% all the time. And again, it's a strategy not good for everybody and um, harmful for many people. And I trained at a, a fasting center. So I'd, I'd been fasting myself for many years. I'd been helping patients fast for quite some time. I said, and I uh, just lost my license. I said, well, you know, I might as well just jump in whole hog and go check out the fasting center and uh, volunteer there. So I volunteered at the fasting center for three months. And people had very different experiences. Some people, everything was smoothly. Other people... Um, they had uh, severe rashes, abdominal pain, all kinds of distress. It was just atrocious. And there were people who went into uh, severe um, immediate gout attacks that break out all over uh, with gout attacks and different joints. So different people had different levels of ease or dis-ease while water fasting. And this can be attributes the fact that, that water fasting encourages internal cleansing but does not encourage um, the body necessarily to dump the waste. So you still can have a lot of stuff sitting in the intestines with really uh, no place to go. The juice fast tends to stimulate the bowels more and you get more output, more um, volume and um, physical material coming out of the intestines. 
And so a lot of people do a lot better on a juice fast. But if you're doing a juice, a water, a limited juice or water diet, it's better to do uh, daily enemas along with it. That way, um, the internal cleansing that your body does is aided and assisted by removing the trash on a regular basis. And basically, in terms of water fast or, or raw juice fast, these are basically safe for maybe a, a week at a time. And so the next level of dieting well, is different uh, schools of dieting. For example, the macrobiotic school. The macrobiotic diet is very, very interesting. Um, and the macrobiotic diet is a, for the most part, a vegetarian diet. There is some you know, small amount of meat, uh, namely tuna, that is allowed. Basically, it's a diet that really takes a look at the different nutrients. Um, they attempt to handle the mineral issue by uh, having quite a bit of seaweed in a diet and seaweed to- soups. They handle the probiotic issue by uh, having fermented foods like fermented soy, such as miso. They handle the B vitamin issue as well with the uh, fermented food products. And they handle parasite issue with um, special vinegars like umi vinegar, which is very high in anti-parasitic properties. And then, of course, you have your various vegetables, your root vegetables, and there's green vegetables, and very high in carbohydrates, namely brown rice, although there are other carbohydrates as well. And this diet actually makes the biggest attempt to fill up or cover the nutritional deficiencies that are so uh, glaring in your basic uh, vegetarian slash vegan diet in the United States. Now, the problem with the macrobiotic diet, of course, is that it's basically a Japanese diet, not a U.S. diet. And so people who followed this diet initially um, would have to import their food from Japan. And even when these foods started being cultivated and grown in the United States, there you know, were still deficiencies. You still have the deficiencies of essential fats. You still have the deficiency of protein you still have the deficiency of um, fat-soluble vitamins. And the macrobiotic people did not believe in uh, vitamin supplementation. So the macrobiotics filled in the, uh, the probiotic gap with fermented foods, and they filled in the gotta-kill-the-parasite gap with the vinegars. And these are two ga- gaps in the vegan diet that are really glaring and potentially overwhelming. The um, vegetarian diet, on the other hand, which does have eggs and um, dairy products, it seems to be a little more sustainable than uh, a straight vegan diet. But again, you have the hazard of the um, chemicals in the dairy supply. So that brings us to the uh, only say paleo diet. The paleo diet uh, focuses on meat and really meat of any and all stripes. So organ meats, um, different skin, different animal 
uh, animal parts um, and vegetables, occasional fruit. And it's really about the size of it. Uh, carbohydrates are conspicuously absent. And the issue with the paleo diet that I have, it is basically a souped-up, uh, new and improved Atkins diet. So basically you have the carbs excluded and you have the uh, vegetables and the meat. So what's the problem with that? The problem with that is it turns out that carbs are the number one source of fiber in the diet. Um, even vegetables like uh, mixed frozen vegetables, and these are really cute. They have this list of uh, foods that have certain nutrients. And so if you take a look at um, mixed frozen vegetables, not mixed frozen vegetables, you take a look at um, dietary fiber, the mixed frozen vegetables come in at 999 uh, on a scale of uh, really infinity. They list all kinds of foods. But the number one uh, source of fiber is corn bran. And then um, different spices, cereals, uh, pine nuts, wheat bran. And so you're, you're looking at um, cereals and dried spices, not fresh spices, but dried spices. And, and no one's going to eat, you know, uh, 42 grams of dried spice. And so, really, your carbohydrates are about your major source of dietary fiber, except uh, fungi, cloud ears. Uh, those are the slimy black uh, mushrooms that are boiled up in your um, food at Chinese restaurants. They're actually pretty tasty, but again, not something anyone's going to eat um, a lot of. So, this is a big problem, which is that the paleo diet is basically very low on fiber because it's very low on carbs, which is where the fibers are. And like the Atkins diet, it's a diet that people can follow, I think, for a limited period of time. And who does best on this diet? of course, a recovering vegetarian, right? Because the uh, paleo diet fills in the gaps of the vegetarian diet. So let's take a look at other uh, nutrients like copper. So it's a big issue of getting, how do you get your minerals, your trace minerals, and where are they? And as a uh, former vegetarian, you know, I remember, you know, the feeling was that these trace minerals are in the vegetables, by golly. But if you look down the list of uh, copper, you don't get a vegetable until you get to number 26, which is spirulina seaweed. Raw, of course. So what's ahead of that? Clams. Liver, raw calf liver, number two. Um, Beef meats and byproducts. Veal, mollusk, um, a shellfish, 
raw goose liver, lamb, domesticated duck. Notice it's domesticated animals down here at number uh, 15. So the, the meats are an impressive source of mineral. And you think about it, it actually makes sense. Why? Because in order for these animals to be alive, they have to have had a full complement of trace minerals. And so when you eat this animal, you get the full complement of trace minerals. So uh, that's fine as far as it goes. And these meats and meat products tend to fill in the gaps created um, by long-term vegetarian practices, but they have their own problems. So if you eat a paleo diet, which is very high in meat and very high in organ meats as well, then you're going to tend to get a high blood pressure. <laughs> okay. Um, so um, high blood pressure, cancer, all types of uh, issues. So why do you get all these issues with the paleo diet? Well, because the diet focuses on vegetables, meats, and leaves out the complex or unrefined carbohydrates that would help with the cleansing. Now, what about the raw food diet? The biggest problem with the raw food diet, the biggest problem is the food is not raw. I'll give you an example. Most people who are raw use dried spices, like maybe some um, cinnamon or dried basil or dried parsley. But if you're in the United States, by regulation, all these spices you're buying at the store have to be steamed, sterilized. Well, if it's steamed, sterilized, it's no longer raw. You may not want to consider it cooked, but it's definitely no longer raw. And so then, in the raw food diet, people who are eating a raw food diet are getting um, a lot of cooked food. That's that's a huge problem. Again, the other and the other problem with the raw food diet is people are eating these raw vegetables that are providing some moisture and some fiber, but not very much uh, what's called free uh, water. And there are a lot of dehydrated things or dried things in the raw food diet, such as the spices I mentioned. And these can have a dehydrating effect. And this is what often leads people to that vegan look, or that raw food look. We can actually look at someone and say, hmm, this person's probably vegan or probably raw food. And this is this is a problem. So it's a lie that uh, vegetables have more nutrition in them than meats. So if meats are more nutrition, why would, nutritious, why would we just eat meats? Well, the problem with meats is they're so hard to digest. They're very difficult to digest. And the reason for a vegetarian diet or a vegan diet is it gives the body a break so it can recalibrate and reset itself. The problem occurs when the diet is followed to the point of depleting the um, 
fat-soluble nutrients, cholesterol, structural proteins, and that's where you get the problems. Okay, so that is the the basic issue with diet. So how do you get around all this? How do you how do you arrive at a diet that makes sense? And what have I found over the years? It seems to make sense in terms of a long term stabilizing diet. Well, first of all. The diet that I have found makes the most sense uh, for people I've worked with over the past 20 years is a basic diet free of chemicals. That's the number one thing. The number one thing is to remove the chemicals from the diet. And that might mean eating um, organic food, eating food that you raise yourself, um, or food that someone else you know uh, raises. And so the biggest problem is the contamination of the food. And this is where uh, vegan diets and vegetarian diets fall down. A lot of times people will be vegan or vegetarian, but they're not eating organic. So you're getting really a double dose of pesticides because you're eating such a high volume of vegetables that have been doused with pesticides. And so now with the genetically modified issue, there's you know there's even more um, compounding uh, problems. The first thing is uh, the waste and residue in the diet. So you want to reduce that as much as possible. So if you're eating, whether you're eating vegetables uh, or some form of vegetarian diet or whether you're eating animal products, you're looking at eating something that's escaped the um, poison routine. So the next thing to do is uh, is water. And this is what's never talked about in all these diets really is water. And lack of water is the number one cause of heart attack, cancer, stroke, hypertension, arthritis, all of these lack of water. So had the person drank more water at an earlier stage in their affliction, uh, things might never have gotten out of hand. So hydration is the wild card. And that's why only half. I'm sorry, people who eat meat are just twice as likely to have, say, uh, cancer. Well, wait a minute. That means the vegetarians are not free of cancer, are they? Exactly. So since they don't take hydration into account when they look at these diets, um, a dehydrated person of whatever diet you're following is going to have illness, it's going to have disease, it's going to have problems. What's the other issue um, aside from dehydration? The other issue, no matter what diet you're on, is cleansing. And that issue is getting the waste out of your intestines. And so you can have skinny people who are constipated, overweight people who are constipated, vegans who are constipated, um, paleo people who are constipated. So it doesn't matter. If your body's holding on to this waste, then you're going to have a higher incidence of cancer, heart attack, stroke, arthritis, you name it. And again, these diets don't look at these other non-dietary factors, which often are even a bigger determinant in a person's health than the actual diet itself. There are people out there who even say, throw up their hands, ah, oh, diet doesn't matter. 
it may not matter matter, but um, as a list of the many things you can control, diet is certainly one of them. And so, can you have a lousy diet? We use the word lousy, and still do well by having proper cleansing uh, and proper hydration and food that's free of uh, chemicals, yes, you're going to do a lot better than, say, the vegetarian who's eating non-organic and not drinking very much, even worse, eating processed foods. So processed foods is another issue. It turns out that processed processed foods appear to be the biggest issue. So whether you're a vegan or vegetarian, if you're eating um, canned foods, preserved foods, foods that have been uh, pre-cooked, that have been refined, then your health is going to fail just about as fast and maybe even faster than a meat eater. So the processed food piece of the diet seems to be huge, even though if you look at all these things online and talk about the calorie content, whatever, they don't talk about whether a food is processed or not. That's not a consideration. And so um, a sandwich at a fast food establishment is just ranked sequentially according to nutritional content right along with uh, beef or veal, even though those are very different things. So what's the answer? What is the answer in terms of diet? The answer in terms of diet is to realize that diet is one piece. Two, make sure you're hydrated. Make sure you're having bowel movements at least every day. Uh, Three times a day is even better. So go to vitalitycapsules.com and get a bottle. So keep those bowels open and moving. Next, no processed food. So just don't do it. Or if you're going to do it, then um, do it once a week or uh, once a month. Because what does that do? It gives your body the whole rest of the week to clear out that processed food. When you eat processed food every single day, not good. And it can be something as subtle as just the uh, artificial creamer that you put um, in um, in your coffee or in your tea. So really, all of the processed food, just eliminate it. And it's not healthy, so you might want to regard it as a treat. So eat your processed food maybe one day a week or one day a month, and that is your processed food day, and that's it. And I find people actually do very well uh, with that. The next thing about diet is change it up. You know, uh, whatever your dominant diet is that you like, let's say uh, you're a meat kind of person, you're a paleo kind of person, take a week off. And be um, organic, whole food, vegan with lots of water. And that allows your body to clean itself out, to reorient its digestion, and take a break from the stress of digesting the very heavy, uh, heavy meats. <laughs> Okay, so that is the basic the basic deal. Pick the diet you like. Make sure you drink plenty of water with it. Make sure you're having those regular bowel movements. And change up from time to time. I would say once a week or once a month, change up. If you just selected the 
vegetarian slash vegan diet is the one for you, have a piece of liver once a month. All right. Well, we are ready for questions. Okay. Let me get my screens here. Many of you know I have a lot of screens open. Just nature of the animal. All right. So our call-in number hmm, is 914-338-0695, and the chat room is humming. Okay. Do people adapt to the diet they traditionally get from whatever culture or family they come from? The answer is no, they don't. Um, you'll find all over the world uh, that certain cultures have a certain frequency of certain diseases and afflictions, and that is definitely traceable to their dietary practices, and it's just the way it is. And so that's why, again, I recommend that people stay on a clean diet. When I say clean, I mean organic, no pesticides, no hormones. <coughs> and that they change up uh, once a week or uh, once a month. Does the gut flora make inorganic minerals? Uh, let's put it in plain English. We'll call it dirt. Yeah, dirt. More bioavailable. Uh, the answer is not really. Um, the transit time in the gut of humans is is fast enough that uh, this doesn't really have a substantial um, contribution. So it's much better to mine the minerals from a part of the earth where they've already um, composted in a bioavailable form. So that would be basically your colloidal minerals or fulvic minerals. The body has the innate ability to digest and utilize minerals. The body does not have the ability to digest minerals, but does have the ability to utilize minerals. (laughs) All right, so a very helpful person in the chat room says, if I had a dog like that, I would have to shoot the dog. Well, that's my neighbor's dog, and uh, we are working on having a harmonious relationship. They're actually nice people. Can vegans... Vegans can get protein and other nutrients from nuts, seeds, chickpeas, and whole alkaline grains. Not long-term. Not long-term. So the human body is not put together to uh, put these things together. It's it's not put together so that it can pull out um, what it needs to make new skin, new organs, new connective tissue from a diet of exclusively nuts, seeds, chickpeas, and whole alkaline grains. That's why many of these, uh, many cultures will eat insects, um, or they'll eat the occasional uh, game that they catch. So the body does not have that ability, not long term. So if you had, uh, say, a high meat diet as a kid, and you decide to go vegan, you'll probably do pretty well for anywhere from one to ten years. And then things will start going poorly. Um, the general symptom is is weakness. Okay. <laughs> yeah, Doc. Okay, let's see what else we have. In terms of questions. All right, so we're going to go right down the list here. <laughs> okay. 
Is it okay to eat the seeds as well as the apple? I hear they have cyanide and can cause, uh, can be uh, deadly. All right. It is absolutely okay to eat the seeds right along with the apple. It turns out that the amount of seeds in one apple, when eaten with the flesh of the apple, is actually quite nutritious. So what is not nutritious, though, is to save up all your apple seeds and eat them all at once. That's bad news. So don't do that. But if you have an apple or a pear, yes, it's perfectly okay to eat the whole thing. Okay, would raw spinach be dangerous because of the high oxalate content? That's relative. So the question is really, what's the oxalate content of the rest of your diet? And the answer to that is it really doesn't matter as long as you're well hydrated, that's drinking a lot of water, and as long as you're in frequent bowel movements because the oxalate can uh, go out through the intestinal tract as opposed to the kidneys. And if you get too much oxalate, then yes, you can get oxalic acid stones, and ooh, that hurts. Don't want that. Okay, let's see what else we have. <laughs> All right, so let's take a look and see if we have any questions in our callers. We have lots of listeners today. Okay, so moral of the story is there is no one diet that works uh, eternally. And the standard American diet doesn't work because there's too many processed foods in it, in a nutshell. And any diet that you follow is going to be way improved by taking a break. And when you take a break, you basically cleanse from what you've been doing a lot of and you add other uh, more nutritious things. So if you're having a meat-type diet, then have a vegan day once a week or a vegan week once a month. So, Or if we take a look historically, what has worked is just to take a week in the spring and a week in the fall. I've tried that, doing the cleansing spring week and the cleansing fall week. It really it has not worked for me. Uh, what I found works better is uh, I'll reach a point where my body will say, you know what, we've had enough. And then I'll just stop and do a juice fast for a week. And sometimes it's in the spring, sometimes it's not in the spring. Um, so when I try to do spring-fall cleansing, even when I was in a northern, um, very seasonal climate, it just didn't seem to quite fit. So my body wasn't always ready to do that. Okay, we have 90 seconds left. Uh, is hemp a complete protein? Uh, no, not complete enough. So um, a lot of, like when I was vegan, we would always say, well, you like a complete protein. If you mix beans and rice and you get all your protein, it's just like meat. No, nothing is just like meat. So <laughs> I dispense with that. Uh, hemp is, is, it's an okay protein. It's pretty good but uh, it's not going to be your, your bodybuilder go-to protein. All right, so that is it. That's it for today, the diet live. And as always, think happens, and we will see you again. Actually, Sunday, for those of you who are here Sunday, and certainly next Tuesday. 
Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 